Dear God, thank you for everything you bless us with. Um, help this time uh, just to teach us to count everything we have and know that it's only given from you and how easily that can be taken away and how our treasures are truly found in heaven. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for being able to gather together, even if it's just as families and some people who are um, alone at home. We pray that you would help um, the, the isolation that we're not made for to give us a greater hunger for the church coming together. Lord, there are some people who, this is what they do. I can worship the Lord on the golf course. I can worship the Lord by myself. Fine. Um, why? Why would you want to do that? Um, help us, Lord, by your Spirit. To know that when a believer becomes a believer, we're given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit draws us to one another. If, if there's a believer, a so-called believer who wants to live like this, in isolation from the body, um, I pray that they would learn that they're not believers, most likely. Um, you draw people to yourself, to one another. It's what communion is about. So Lord, we pray that by your word, by your spirit, you would use this time where um, we're at least supposed to be more isolated, that you would help us to, to cultivate a yearning for community in new and special ways where we don't forget it and that we don't take it even personal contact for granted and that we remember those who are this is their situation in nursing homes or just at home because of um, health um, whether it be from old age or other infirmities lord um, that they can't get out so help us to be able to empathize a little better that we might be able to minister better to those who are in those circumstances so help us to be able to reach out and touch one another in the different ways that we're able to as the old i think it was a AT&T commercial or something, Lord, that we're able to maybe not physically be with one another, but we're able to be together through this medium, and also that we're able to be together by the Spirit, that we're not separated by time or space. And so we thank you that you're with us, and pray for the preaching of your word, the reading, the hearing, that the hearers would give great attention to this, and that we would have our hearts softened and be driven more into becoming more like Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in Joshua. I've been preaching through Joshua. One of the Facebook groups I'm on with PCA teaching elders and ruling elders. Uh, it's a secret group. I'm not supposed to talk about However, don't tell anybody. But one of the things they talked about was a question of, um, what are you going to be preaching Sunday? And um, so different people had different things. And uh, one of my friends... Um, put on there, he says, like 98% of the rest of the PCA, we're going to be preaching whatever comes next in the Bible. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's right, that's what we're doing. Because like, I went several times, like, you know, I'm going to leave Joshua and I'm going to go over here and preach this and uh, pray, you know, don't let me preach myself or my personal things, help me. So then I thought, well, let's just see what's here, let me, let me see what is next and see what's there. And then every time I'm reminded, the Bible covers everything, and if you cover Everything in the Bible, you've covered everything. So, um, but what I am going to do, it's counterintuitive here, we're going to skip some chapters. Um, <laughs> but, but I want you to read them um, just because, even in some of my favorite commentaries, they make note of the fact that it's difficult to glean what's in, in here for purposes of, of preaching. 
Um, but what we're skipping over is the allotments, um, things that were given to the tribes. It's important. Okay, it's hard to read that whole thing and to apply that whole thing to us, but just to take all that as a whole, God's promises are true. God knows his people by name. When you get the Chronicles and it lists these names, this list of names, it's like, you know, you're like, gosh, yeah, a list of names. It's like, what if it was your name? Or what if it was your parents, grandparents, great, 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 what if it was one of your ancestors? It's like, their name is in the Bible. I mean, that's like... That's pretty big. I mean, it's just to have your name in the Bible. I mean, that's, that's huge. And the fact that God knows us by name and cares about us by name, individually and as a body. Um, but what we're getting to is, as, as the allotments are being made, as the boundaries are being prescribed, as, as the promises of God are all coming true, um, we get to chapter 23. And, um, and we read this. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officials, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them to bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. If you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap to you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I am about to go the way of the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commands you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. 
Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. The word of the Lord. So we, we stop there. And so what, what's happening here, obviously, is that Joshua is to the point of he's old. And he realizes he's near the end of his life. And so he has some last words, um, just like we might would do. Um, I remember going to see my grandfather. He was on his deathbed, and, and, um, and he knew it. And we were all the grandchildren and children were able to go in and, and see him. And um, he, he was in good mind, but not, but not perfect. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like he had the ability to say, all right, if I had exactly the right thing to say to you, this is what it would be. You know, he's, he's, he's dying. And I went in and, you know, said something to him. And then he said to me, take care of your grandmother. <laughs> I mean, it's like, maybe he said the same thing to everybody. But it was just like, you know, take care of your grandmother. His wife, you know, he wanted, he was like thinking about her because she had Alzheimer's. And he was aware um, you know, how he had been trying to, to help her and care for her. And so that's what he wanted. So you, here you are with Joshua. And he's like, what are you going to say? You know, this is my last words. You know, um, so this is what you need to know. And so there are things here that, that we need to know, particularly if you look at, at verse 6. He tells them, now this is the nation of Israel, it's Old Testament nation of Israel. They were given the commands, the Old Testament church, given the command by God himself to go and take the land in the way that they were physically told to do it, to establish the physical nation of Israel, the kingdom of God on earth. Now the, 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 the work of the mission of the church today, New Testament Israel, be careful with a whole lot to unpack there, but we are engrafted into spiritual Israel. Um, but we're the church, the body of Christ. And so today we're not told to go into the nations and destroy them. We're not told you can't intermarry with the nations. We're now told that those national borders, as far as the kingdom comes, is, is gone. There are no national borders. I mean, there are, and governments can do that kind of thing. They can protect their countries as governments are supposed to do in different ways. But as the body of Christ, the kingdom knows no borders. So there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither um, male nor female. There's neither, I can't remember all those things in that list. But the main point being, you're one in Christ. There's different roles for different people to play. There's different gifts. But um, that's what's changed big in the New Testament is the spirit has now gone out. The world belongs to God now in the kingdom of God. So all nations are to bow down to the Lord now. But so this part still stands true because the mission has not changed as far as the expansion of the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at what that is a little more in just a second. But if we look at verse 6 in chapter 23 of Joshua, Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Now, it's going to be some interesting things we're going to see. Joshua, to this point, refers to Moses as being the lawgiver. Moses being the one that the words have come through. But then we're going to see a, trans, uh, a, a change that's going to come up where Joshua now is writing scripture. And so we get the words of Joshua that are being recorded. But he says this. This is what are we supposed to do. Keep and do all that's written in the book of law of Moses in the Bible. So it's the word of God is where he goes first. Now, since I brought up my grandfather, he's in my mind back there. So I've got a Bible of his, a Bible that he gave me, and it says, um, 
one of these phrases that were popular at the time says, read it, love it, live it. You know, that was what it says inside my Bible. Read it, love it, live it. Um, because the word of God is central to, to the life of a believer. The word of God is central to the church. It's, it's be careful, be strong, be very strong to keep and to do what is written in the book. And that's important because we live in a day when the word of God is being diminished, um, even in a lot of churches. So, one, all churches are not the same. Some churches do not believe in the word of God, the plenary verbal inspiration of scripture, that all the words of God in the Bible are the word of God. Not even just a red level. But every word in the Bible, if you're going to do that, all the words are red in the Bible. They're all the color red because they're all the words of Christ. So we have to believe the word of God. If you're in a church that by practice or profession does not believe in every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God, from the scriptures, you can get out. It's time to get out. It's time for believers in churches to call their leaders to responsibility to say, why are you not following the word of God? You've got to do it because it'll kill people. This is deadly. You talk about a virus that spreads, this is what will kill you. It's better that you die of the body, but fear the one who can cast body and soul into hell. And that's important. The Word of God is strong. The Bible says it is. Turning aside from it, neither to the right hand nor to the left. And he says that you may not mix with the nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, nor bow down to them. Now I think this is applicable to our culture. It's not just saying that we have to stay together as a, as a church, but the church does not need to be worldly. The church doesn't need to adapt and to adopt to the cultural way of doing life. Um, we see what the world worships. Money, sex, power, family, all these things. Life, health, um, all these things the world worships. And there's another section of scripture that talks about, you know, there's many things that we go after and the Lord knows that we need these things. But we're first supposed to focus on the Lord our God. We seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other good things that are available to us will be added to us. But if we seek after and make those things our God, then what will happen to us is what Joshua warns his people about here. He says, if you do this, uh, bowing down to their gods, swearing by them, or serving them, or bowing down to them, verse 8, you should cling to Yahweh your God, to the Lord your God. You shall cling to Him. And that's a very good translation of that Hebrew word. It's, a, it's, a, it's just, there's no better word. I mean, one of the things that I think works well, but is a, a, an extreme frustration to me, is glad cling wrap. That stuff clings. And I, you can't, I know I had one friend that was worse than me, so I always try to remember whenever I would play golf, and I'm not a golfer, um, when I got good enough to get angry at a shot and I threw my club down, I realized you need to stop. But I've seen people get that mad, it's like, I don't want to be like that. And I saw somebody get so angry with glad cling wrap that it's like the whole thing was just like, I said, all right, every time that happens to me, I'm like, don't be like that. <laughs> you get through this. But that's that clinging. To cling to the Lord. That's how we should be. This is what he says. He, he, in his final words, his address, he says, you shall cling to the Lord your God. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. It can be you know, whatever we're going through now. And you're like a 
you, you want to cling to other things, cling to the Lord. Times of prosperity. And you know, what's going to happen? One of the things going to Haiti, it's like one of the good, the terrible thing about Haiti is the, is the, the poverty. But one of the good things about Haiti is the poverty. It's like it sort of it works to their advantage in some ways. And if, 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 if it just, if, if opulence comes there, it's like, how are you going to deal with that? I mean, how are you going to deal with that? And so once we get to the point where we no longer have this anxiety thing kind of hovering over us, you know, how are we going to deal with it? You know, that's, that's going to be the question. You know, how are we changed in a good way? And we have, that's when we're able to say we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, go through all these types of things. And then he goes on again in verse 11. He says, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. So you're clean to him. You love him. You, you follow, he starts off with the word of God, though. So don't miss the order. You need, to, you need to keep and obey and follow the word of God and cling to the Lord and love the Lord. Because this is the word of his, about him. So if you skip this, the Bible, and you go into the relationship phase, I don't know who you're in love with. I mean, you got to be careful with that kind of thing. There's, there's actors that we know and we love, and, but we don't know them at all. We love them because of characters they played, but you don't know them. And so be careful of making an idol of God. Even Yahweh, Jesus Christ can be, you can call anything Jesus Christ, but there is a person named Jesus Christ. There is a true God and you need to know him. And there are lots of people who know things that they want to believe about him because they don't know what the Bible says about him. And you've got to be careful with the word of God because when you read it, there's going to be things in here that are going to challenge your assumptions and make you wonder whether God's a good God or not. So you need to go through that. You need to think about that. You need to let the word of God take you through that so that your faith can be changed and you can have a greater appreciation of the holiness of God and who he truly, truly is. But it says in verse 11, be very careful to love the Lord your God. It's interesting because there's lots of things in this world. If we told people, no, be very careful to love sports. Be very careful to love your car. It's like, you know how to tell people that. I mean, whatever, we have things that we're in love with. And somebody said, hey, be very careful to love this. It's like, I got that, you know, but remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Be very careful to love the Lord. These things, because we live in the flesh still, we can, we can be pulled away from these things and we have to take care. And in verse 12, he gives this, this warning. Because if you, if you turn back, and cling to the remnant of the nations. He uses that same word again. So rather than clinging to Yahweh Elio, we, we cling to the remnant of the nations. Then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out the nations. But they'll become a snare and a trap for you. A whip at your side. Thorns in your eyes. This is slave stuff. They're going to drive you. Whatever you worship will become your master. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus says the same thing. So be very careful what you're clinging to. What you're clinging to for security, for hope, for salvation, for, for whatever it is. You have to be very careful. And in verse 16. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord, 
your guide, which He commanded you. Which we can say today is, is the new covenant. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor yourself. It's new in the sense that it's living. It's new in the sense that the Spirit of God is going throughout the world. It's new in the sense that it's no longer just Israel. It's for all the children of God. All those whom the Lord will call to Himself. And so, if you go and serve after other gods and bow down to them, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly off the good land that He's given you. Now, how does that look today? Does that mean the stronger we are in faith, the more we'll be blessed? Yeah, of course it does. What does blessing look like to you? And there's the rub. You know, does it look like health? Does it look like wealth? And therefore, the healthier people are more blessed by God. The wealthier people are more blessed by God. That's the way a lot of the Old Testament people looked at it and thought. You know, you had a disease, you're cursed by God. Job, oh my goodness, he had time dealing with his friends. He's like, I haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> yes, you have. Look at you. I haven't done anything wrong. And then we see a person who begins to, to um, struggle with a holy God while trying to maintain his personal righteousness and then turning into the fact of, of uh, charging God with unrighteousness if he's doing this to him. And so it's like, you know, even uh, we have to be careful how far we press our personal righteousness. Um, but how does God bless us? And it's by giving us more of himself. And sometimes he blesses us um, through prosperity. Sometimes he blesses us through poverty. But these all come from the Lord and we have to be aware of it. So is this virus from the Lord? Yes, everything's from the Lord. From the least of things to the greatest of things. But Satan is using this. And his purpose is to destroy. So we have to be aware of these things and not fall into his plot and ploy, but that we cling to the Lord our God in the midst of this. So, let's see, just a few minutes here I want to look at is a few more last words from some people in the Bible in the New Testament. Um, particularly, we'll start with Jesus Christ. And so some of his, we can call this, last words his disciples, if we're looking at the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, 18. And um, you can turn to it if you like. I just have it written down here so that you can, you can hear what he says to his disciples. Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, before his ascension, he says, All authority on earth, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, so first, Satan is called the God of this world. Satan is called the rule of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's the, um, so he has, over this cosmos, this world system, is under the power of Satan. Now, the kingdom of God is coming in. God, uh, the, the restrainer is in place. I believe it's speaking of the Holy Spirit to, to keep evil from being as evil as it could be. Although Dr. Kelly would want to add, it's a lot worse than we give it credit for, though. Um, but right now, sin is under a restraint. But it's not because Satan has no authority here. There are many people who, you know, you either worship Christ or you worship Satan. I mean, there's no other team. And we're going to look at that in just a second, too. Uh, but Jesus says, I've been given all authority. So who's in control? Jesus. Of what? Everything. Well, in heaven, right? Yeah. Well, earth. Yeah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Granted. You know, and what we want is more. More of the kingdom here on earth. So he says, all right. 
So Jesus has all this authority. I have all this authority. Therefore, what? Therefore, he says, go. Make disciples of all nations. See where this nations thing is now. Now what are we going to do? Now we're going to make disciples of them. All right? You could still have Israel, and then everybody else is a disciple. No, he says you baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. So you're, you're actually bringing them into the kingdom of God. Okay, so when we make disciples, what happens is you get baptized. You become a part of the covenant. You become a part of the kingdom of God. You baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what do you do? Then you teach them. You're baptizing and teaching. You're making converts and you're teaching people to do what? To observe all that I have commanded. It's exactly what Joshua is telling people. You need to observe all that God's commanded. You need to do what he says do. It sounds legalistic. It's only if you're looking to that for salvation. If, if you, and then you turn into Job. You know, it's like if you look to yourself for salvation, then you're falling into Satan's um, plight. So that Satan wants you to believe that you need to work for your salvation and that you can do it. And then every time you slip up, he'll go, ha, see there, you're not a believer. See there, you're not good enough. And so the gospel is, why am I listening to you? I know I'm not good enough. And we're looking at that in just a second too. Joshua covers it. But we are to teach people to observe all that's been commanded. And it's a great commission. It's not just evangelism. Or it is just evangelism. But evangelism is not just get them saved, get, move on. Get them saved, move on. Get them saved, move on. Making Christ followers. Teaching people. You have to learn. You have to, that's why you need to be in a church, a good church that believes the scriptures. And they're teaching you about the Bible. And then behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Now that's something Joshua is not going to be able to say. Moses is not going to be able to say. They are saying, the Lord's with you. The Word is with you. He's with you. And Jesus is like, I'm with you. This is me. These are who the Old Testament speaks of. I am He. I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh Elohim. is me. Worship and serve only me. Cling to me. And then Philippians chapter 2, we see Paul's, some of Paul's parting words as Paul is in prison at this particular point. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 He's giving some, some final thoughts, some final words. He goes on a while from here, but these are, these are his things that he's trying to get out through the Holy Spirit, speaking to him, the words of Christ as well, through him. But as Paul is speaking from this part of his heart, as he's saying, in the, in the carried along and moved by the Holy Spirit, Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed. And you got to hear this from his, I mean, he's in prison. It's not a good prison either. It's, it's rough. And, uh, and he, he's giving a word to, to the believers. And it's from his heart. And I also believe in Philippians, he's preaching to himself a lot too. Because he needs to hear this too. And he says, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Outworkings of it. So it's the doing, the proper following of Christ in all that we do. Because it's God that's at work in you. So he's doing this. And he's doing it both to will, to cause you to. Why do I want to do good things? Why do I want to follow God? Because God's working in my heart. It's just, it, it, these are outworkings. And it's for his good pleasure. So do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. Now do all things without grumbling or questioning. Oh, that's an interesting thing for our time. 
so that we can be innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. He says exactly what Joshua is saying. Cling to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He's like, I've been working. I've been, I'm in prison because of this. Please cling to the Lord God. This is these final words that he's having. Even, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And then you go to chapter 4, verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that's very good for us today because it is difficult to turn on anything, go anywhere without them talking about it. And I was pray, praying, uh, I guess it was a, a blessing or something. And um, I said, Lord, please, you know, I, I prayed about it. And she said, Amy said, it's, it's interesting how we just refer to it as it now. And she saw other people did it. Now what he said to the direct quote, it's it. You know, it, it, that, that thing that shall not be named. And it's just kind of just sick of hearing about it. You know, I mean, sick of hearing about it. Again, I talked about you know, someone we knew who was in rehab and they're like, they won't stop talking about the addiction. They won't stop talking about the drug. Every time we get together, they're always talking about it. He said, I want to put my mind on something else, and that's all you'll talk about. So um, let's not cling to that. We're, we, we have to cling to the Lord. What are we going to focus on? What are we putting in our minds? What are we thinking about? I mean, it, I want to focus on what's happening, what's going on, so that I can accurately discern what's happening, and we all do. Who are you going to listen to? Who's the authority? They all contradict each other. It is very frustrating. <laughs> it is extremely frustrating to be told you can't have more than 10 people in a room and yet you go to different places and they're just packed jammed with people because they're essential. So, you know, it's like, don't listen to government authorities. They don't know exactly what all is going on. What you listen to is the Lord. And what the Lord says is submit to the authorities. Hmm. All right, so what I do is I listen to them because God's told me to. They're in place for a reason. But you be discerning as to what you're told to do. For example, and I'm known for having terrible, extreme examples, so I'm trying to think of one that's not as bad as one I'm currently thinking of, but if the government tells you to go and... Goodness, I can't go and kill all the babies because that's how you get rid of this. Well, you can't do that. Okay? The government says do it. I can promise you, when that edict comes down, I will say, all right, they've gone too far. Okay? So let's, even though they've done all that they can do to call these abortion mills to be open and it's essential to life, and then you hear places like New York City that lit up a tower there um, in pink to celebrate the fact a while back that they can now have abortion legal up to the time of birth. And the fact that now they are talking about the value of life, it's like, okay, fine. I understand the hypocriticality of the world because you're under the power of Satan. But ultimately, you're under the power of God. And therefore, we try to discern these things. But the more you try to listen, the more the world gets into your head. And it can be very frustrating and aggravating. 
So what are we focusing on during this time? And I would suggest you dig into the Word of God. Not to see how am I supposed to respond to it, but to see who God is. Cling to the Lord. Take this time. If you're stuck at home, family worship. You know, what are we going to do today, kids? Let's read the Bible. Let's download the uh, Psalter. Let's try to sing through the Psalms. Let's pray. How are we praying today? Who are we praying for? What does the Bible say? Let's just at random open a psalm. You know, oh my goodness gracious. I hate to do this. I told myself a long time ago. <laughs> when you're at church, don't just randomly open the Bible to something and decide to read it. I don't even know what this is. It just verse 18 says we were pregnant. <laughs> I'm not reading the rest of it. So, interesting thing. So, only point is what the Bible says here. What are you supposed to focus on? What's pure, lovely, commendable? Anything is excellent. Anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. And then God of peace will be with you. So we're also supposed to be living our lives in such a way that we could say, follow me as I follow Christ. That if, they were, if somebody were to follow us, then would they also be following Christ? And then people need to learn to follow Christ on their own as well. So back to Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to look at Joshua chapter 24, verse uh, 14. Famous verse. This is on a lot of people's refrigerators, t-shirts, mugs, all sorts of things. Um, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Okay, so those are preach whole sermons on that right there. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is beginning wisdom. Fear of the Lord is pure. Fear of the Lord is a, is a good thing. It's not a worldly fear. It's a, it's a respectful fear knowing who our God is. You Fear the Lord, worshiping Him. Serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now it's interesting, he says put them away. It's not that he says, he's not saying to them, be careful not to fall for them. He's saying put them away. This is, this is a present reality with these people. Okay? And this, you have to acknowledge in our lives too, is a present reality. So this is a good call to the church. Put away the gods that your fathers have worshipped. Put them away. And serve the Lord. Serve Yahweh. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. And that's the famous verse. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But we skip a little something if we skip to that. So you're going to have to choose who you're going to serve because Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You're going to love the one and hate the other. And so he's getting it right here. Joshua's saying the same thing. So serve, choose to say who you're going to serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. That's the choice. Now that's, I didn't notice this until Dale Ralph Davis pointed it out to me in his commentary it's like he says if you think it's evil to serve the Lord then here's what you do choose this day who you're going to serve the gods your father served the old ways these traditions those gods that you've inherited from a long time or the gods and Amorites and who's land you well these new gods I've got new gods for you you know so you can serve in the ancient ways 
these false gods, tradition, in a bad way. Or we can do new stuff. I got the Amorites for you. You're going to worship one of them. If you don't like the Lord, you're going to worship these false gods. Which one's it going to be? Choose who you're going to serve. Because he needs to know. Because we're going to probably need to divide up camp. Because even non-believers, believe it or not, even non-believers can't get along. Okay, So, the guys you fathers or these Amorites? Choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're serving Yahweh. Y'all, serve, y'all figure out who you want to serve. And that's kind of what this is putting it bluntly. But he says, as for me and my house, don't miss that. As good Presbyterians, we never miss a good household verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that's what we have to be able to say today. Me and my house. We'll serve the Lord. If you have people under your roof that are under your headship, under your responsibility, as for me and my house, serve the Lord. And if you're not serving the Lord wholeheartedly and clinging to Him, then, and you're doing a uh, syncretistic type thing, I kind of worship the Lord, but I also worship this, I worship that. And you know, if you've got the cling wrap, it, it, there's some things that doesn't stick to it all, apparently, like Tupperware. But there's things like your skin and glass that it just really clings to. And if it touches other things, it just gets all... It needs to cling to one thing. And that's the way we are. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Because if you're not going to do that, then choose who you're going to serve. And that's it's really kind of an interesting thing that Joshua is saying. If you're not going to follow... If you think it's evil to follow the Lord, then choose. Because God already knows who this is. And the point he's making with them here is, he says, verse 16, And the people said, Hey, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, which apparently they're already doing a little bit, for it's the Lord our God who brought us. Now, what we're looking at here is a a faithless generation can arise right behind a faithful one. A faithless generation can arise right after a faithful one. And they say, oh, we're not going to do this. Verse 17. For it's the Lord our God who brought us up and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among all the peoples whom we, through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out great peoples before us, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. And, but, so what do you say to that? Amen. Hallelujah. We got, you know, roll, bring it in the sheaves. We've got to sign the book. You know, say the prayer. You know, look at everybody just got saved. And so what Joshua says here, there's a but. But Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. Because he is a holy God and he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and do harm and consume you after having done good. So Jesus says something similar. He says you need to count the cost. When somebody's turning to the Lord, I think one of the great harms that's been done in our time by churches, by good-meaning Christians, is to say somebody walks forward, somebody says the prayer, um, and somebody raises their hand with every eye bowed, every... You know, every every head bowed, every eyes closed. Buses won't leave; they'll wait for you. You know, it's like how many people got saved Sunday? You know, we had five people get saved. Really? How do you know that? You just and then so now and then we go baptize them. Okay, 
So now you've told them and put a stamp on them that they're saved and they, they go on out and they got their get out of hell free card and, and that's it. You've heard people that have made a response to something. They made a decision. They might have even meant it in their hearts. But has God worked a work in their heart? Because the parable of the sower says there's going to be things that, can, that happen sometimes and then it's taken away because there's no root. So is somebody converted or not? So when somebody says, I'm going to serve the Lord, I think we're so excited that somebody's finally, they're not going to hell, they're going to heaven. And we're just like, we, as if it's our determination as to whether they go to heaven or not. Whether we're the ones, if you've convinced me, then surely Jesus, he's even easier to convince than me. And he's much more loving and forgiving than me. Uh, but you've got to be able to tell people. And I've had, I had a guy come in here one time. He says he's, he's off drugs. He just got saved. Um, everything's great. And I, you know, I, I said, that's awesome. There's going to come challenges to your faith. There's going to come a time when you might think, I have failed him. And you're going to have to cling to him. You're going to have to, at that time, say. And then there's going to be things you're going to have to give up. There's going to be stuff you have to endure for the sake of Christ. And you have to be willing to be able to do this thing. And, and I think we need to tell people, you need to count the cost. You need to think about what you're saying. Because the God will not, is not going to, if you're really serving other gods, He's not going to forgive that. I don't care how many prayers you pray or how many times you walk down the aisle. It's who are you serving. But the people said, no, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, your witnesses against yourselves. Okay. I mean, that's if you're being baptized or you've uh, decided you'll take the Lord's Supper. Um, your witnesses against yourselves that you've chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we're witness. And he said, all right, good. Put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Put it away. I mean, that's what he says. It's, it's what we do. Okay, somebody says, oh, we're going to be a believer. Good. Put away your guides. Put away whatever it is. What is it that you're, what is it you've been clinging to? Put it away. And the people said, the Lord our God, we will serve. And, and with this voice, we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people. And he put it in place in statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote the words in the book of the law. So Joshua's writing. And he took a large stone and said, there under the terebinth tree by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, the stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. And Jesus says, and the very stones will cry out against us if, if the people were quiet. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. And so Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. So they're, they're starting off great. And they're going. And so after these things, the son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance in Timaroth Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gosh. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord had done for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, and this is the promise being fulfilled again, which the people of Israel had brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob brought, bought from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. And it became an inheritance for the descendants of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. The promises of God have been fulfilled. The people of God have said, serving the Lord our God, we have chosen. Turn the page. Judges, chapter 2, verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, 
the people of Israel went to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of the inheritance of the Timoroth Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gosh. And all the generations also were gathered to their fathers. And those, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, the foreign gods. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. So the Lord was as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. We just turn the page. Not to be too illustrative about this, but there's been a page turn in our world. Regardless of whatever is specifically happening, there's been a page turned. One page. And it'll be, the Lord tarries, a couple hundred years from now, this will be seen as a momentous time. This will not be seen as something that's like a little blip that occurred, even if it ends tomorrow. Because this will end tomorrow, even if the virus, if it is gone. But a page has turned, and it's not because of the virus. There's been a darkness advancing, and it has been advancing quickly. And people who can't see it don't have eyes to see. But for those of us who have eyes, and for those of us who are in the light, we've been seeing it. It's been coming, and it has been advancing most quickly. As the Lord told Habakkuk, as Habakkuk cried out for justice, and there was no justice. And the Lord said, I got it. I'm going to send the Philistines. And then Habakkuk says, what talk about that? I wanted you to just make everybody happy. And make everything. No, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to send judgment. Because there's a generation who's arisen that doesn't know the Lord. So a page has been turned. And you have to ask, do you not see it? It's just a page. A generation that does not know the Lord. There are many in this generation that know the Lord. But the kingdom of God is, 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 appears on the surface to be waning. But the church is powerful and effective. The, the church wins by many or by few. Um, the church has been praying for revival. You know, this could be it. Something has to happen. But the time is short. We need to repent. We need to revive. We need to serve the Lord with gladness. It's one of the Psalms we memorized when I was little. King James, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that Yahweh, he is God. It is he that made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep 
of his pasture. Enter to, into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So even though there may be a small remnant, and even though things seem to be getting darker and darker and darker, the truth of the Lord endures forever. And we have the deposit of that truth. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We are that light. And God is at work. Is he at work in this virus? Yeah. He's working everything. So is Satan. So is the kingdom of darkness. We remain faithful. We keep our eyes focused on what is good, what is lovely, what is true, what is right. We cling to the Lord our God. We cling to the word of the Lord our God. We be careful to love the Lord our God. That's what we're called to do. Going into nations, making disciples, bringing them in, baptizing their households into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded. But we have to do it first. It starts with us our households, our churches, and then we transform the world following the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Father God, um, everybody in the Bible died. Even Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Uh, seated at your right hand. Jesus Christ is king. He has inherited the name above all names. That name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to, the, to your glory. So help us, Lord, as we have the Holy Spirit within us. I pray for churches that, that worship the Holy Spirit to the exclusion of you and to Jesus, Lord. That, that, that they worship the Holy Spirit and, and, and bypass the Word of God, Lord. That we would cling to the Word of God. I pray for those Christians who cling to the Word of God and bypass God. They just have the, the Word and they, that's all they do. I pray for those who play with church. Who are worshiping other gods, Lord, and they feel comfortable because they get to play. They get to come to church and feel good. Lord, they don't not feel good because we have to put away our gods. And you're a jealous guy. And if your church has been playing with other gods, you're going to strip it from us. It doesn't take a virus. So, Lord, we pray that, that as we see things being stripped from us, we're able to praise you because it whittles it down to nothing but you. And then once again, we can be thankful for gifts you've given us and not angry at you for not giving us more. So we thank you for everything. Help us to enter into your courts with singing, your gates with singing, and your courts with thanksgiving and praise. Help us to be lights. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord told Moses, tell Aaron, this is how you shall put my name upon the people of Israel. This is how you shall bless my people. May Yahweh, may the Lord, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his face upon you and that it would give you peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.